you take your Bible, I want you to turn with me to, uh, let's turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Now let me tell you what we're going to do tonight. Tonight I want to talk to you about hope for divine healing. We're going to talk about divine healing tonight. And I want to get this, we wanted to get this recorded because from now on when people ask us to pray for them for physical problems, I want them to listen to this first. And you'll understand why in a minute. And uh, let, let me just say this. This seems to be such a controversial area with people in Christianity. I'm going to say this as nice as I can say it. Save emails. I'm not going to read them. I, dear ones, I, I don't want to fuss and argue with anybody. I'm trying to help people. And my only goal is to help people that are suffering. Yeah. And so I want you to listen from Scripture tonight. <clears throat> you may need this one day. And uh, if you need it now, I want you to listen with your heart. And I want you to look in scriptures and see what it says. We're going to talk about divine healing tonight and what the Bible teaches about hope for healing. We're going to start. I want to just say this about divine healing. Our father's heart is healing. That, that's his heart. You, you always begin with the heart of God. God so loved the world that he gave his son. His heart was for people to be brought back to him. Well, his heart is for divine healing. His heart is for healing. And the reason that he heals, we've got to get the Bible on this. He doesn't heal people because they deserve it. He heals people because of his compassion. He does what he does. It, It didn't say the people deserve Jesus, so he sent him. God so loved the world. His compassion is why he does things. And I want you to see this in Mark chapter one. Many scriptures tonight. Mark chapter one, verse 40. A leper came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What did he say right there? I know you're able. I just don't know if you want to or not. I know you can. I don't know if you're willing. Willing means want to or not. Uh, what did the Bible say? And Jesus was what? Moved with compassion. That means his heart grew tender and he was deeply affected by this man's pitiful condition. The Bible said he was moved with compassion stretched out his hand, touched him and said to him, I am willing. I want you to be well, be cleansed. And soon as he'd spoken, the leprosy left him and he was healed. All right. We learned two things there. Number one, God heals people because of compassion, because he cares about people. And I also want you to, I want to say this to help you get you. Theology is what you believe about God. That's called theology. Uh, Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. And if you're going to study the Bible, you have to learn the word through the word. Jesus being the word. If you want to find the will of God, follow the son of God. And Jesus has a heart to heal because the father does. Now, to understand this, I want you to please listen to what I'm fixing to say. Physical healing is in our atonement. Now, the word atonement in the Bible simply means we were far from God Every person was far from God, but Jesus died on a cross to bring us back to God. It's called the atoning work of Christ for man to come back to God. It's called the atonement. Well, our salvation is in that atonement. You can't be saved any other way. You can't be a child of God any other way. There's no other way but this. Only the cross of Jesus Christ can bring you back to God. That's called the atonement. Well, listen to me. Our healing was in the atonement. I want you to see that. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 53, the great passage on the atonement. In Isaiah 53 is where the Bible shows us the atoning means to take someone's place, to atone for. But the atonement's where Jesus became sin 
so that I could be saved. He became sin for me. The Bible teaches this. We know him who knew no sin, who became sin so that we might become right with God or the righteousness of God. Well, in that act of atonement was also healing. I want you to see this. Isaiah 53 is the great passage on the atonement of Christ. Just a couple of verses. Verse four says this. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word grief there in the Hebrew is sickness or pain and suffering. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Now here's the verse. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. What's that talking about? The cross. Jesus was nailed to the cross, not for his sins, my sins. It's called the atonement where he was nailed to the cross for my sins. But read the rest of that verse. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, the chastisement was not the cross. You understand Jesus, by order of the governor and by the will of God, was tied to a whipping post and he was whipped with a whip 39 times right before he was crucified. Now, under Roman law, even in that day, it was illegal. You couldn't whip a man and crucify him. Well, why did God ordain for Jesus to be tied to the whipping post and whipped and then crucified? We could have been saved just by the cross. All right, the whipping post said it was for our peace in this life that he was chastised and by his stripes at the whipping post was our healing. So he bought our salvation, our healing, and our peace in what we call the atonement. In the great work of God there. And you need to understand this. All right, I want you to turn with me and see this in uh, Matthew chapter 8. Make sure this carries over into the New Testament. All right, so Jesus is going to die on a cross so that I can be brought back and made right with God and be a child of God and be blessed. He chose to be whipped violently 39 times and take those stripes so that by his stripes I could be healed physically and emotionally. And emotionally. That's what he meant in Luke chapter 4 when he said, I'm anointed of God to heal the brokenhearted. He, he wants healing body, soul, and spirit. He heals broken hearts, broken minds, broken families, broken bodies. All right, Matthew chapter 8 teaches us this, verse 16. And evening had come, this is one day with Jesus, they brought to him many who were demon possessed. He cast out the spirits of the word and healed all who were sick. Watch this, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. You just read it. He himself took our sicknesses or infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So the Bible said he cast out demons and he healed sick people to fulfill what you read in Isaiah 53, that he bore my sicknesses. He not only took my sins and his soul on the cross, he bore my disease and my pain in his body at the whipping post. So it means that healing is in the atonement. All right, now let me get into some controversial things about healing today and how do we pray for healing and should we expect God to heal people today if we get sick or we have friends that are sick? Um, I'm just going to cut to the chase and say it. People say, we should pray and ask God to heal them if it be thy will. I've never seen a person healed one time and I've seen people healed where the word if is in a prayer. I think it's unscriptural to put if. You'll just never see it. Now, you, you, you may ask me, well, you think it's God's will for everybody to be healed? It is the will of God to heal people. Yes. Yes. Now, you, let me, we're going to say this over and over. I don't base what I believe on what I see with my eyes. I base it on that book and what the Holy Spirit says. 
I'm not going to quit believing that God saves because somebody bowed their knee and got saved and then acted like a devil. I don't understand it, but I'm not going to quit believing what this book says. And the Bible is very clear about this, that it is the will of God to heal people's broken bodies. I want you to turn with me. Uh, and the reason I say this is, I, I, my preacher, preacher friends and I disagree on that. That's fine. I'm not going to argue. I just want to help people. If you ever pray for somebody, if I ask you, we ask you to heal them, if it be thy will, Satan will take that if, inject it in their minds, and they will know I don't, they won't have the faith to be healed. You cannot have, you can't have the word if in there. I'll turn me to Psalm 103. And I want to ask you a, a question. Um, if you had a friend came to you and they said, you know, I've been listening, I've been listening to you preach on TV and I've heard about Jesus and salvation and I want to get saved. Would you pray with me to get saved? Would you pray with them to get saved? If they want to get saved? Sure you would. Let me ask you this. Would you pray like this? Father, now John here wants to be saved. He's read about you saving people in the Bible. And I'm going to ask you if it be your will to save him. And if not, just send him to hell. Would you say that? Why? Y'all like shocked. Why, why would that? You said that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. How do you know it's God's will to save him? Y'all need, I've told you this. You need, y'all got to get this. You need to answer me. First Timothy 2, 4. God desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It, your father wants you to be more than saved. He wants you to walk in full truth because truth sets people free. And you say, well, that, you know, the Bible says God wants all people to be saved. What does Psalm 103 verse three say? Let's do all three. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And uh, we need to believe God. I've already shown you Matthew 8, 16. Jesus is the will of God. And I, I can show you many others, Matthew 8, 16, we've already looked at many others that say this. They brought the sick to Jesus and he healed them all. Yeah. I can't find uh, anybody. All right, now let me, let me add this also. Let me teach you something about disease and sickness, where it came from. Disease and sickness are the foul offspring of Satan and human sin. Yeah. Satan and human rebellion against God produced a foul child called sickness and disease. It was never the will of God that anybody be sick. He didn't create us to be sick. That's, that's clear. And sickness came in the world after Satan coupled up with human rebellion. And it's the offspring of that. I want to show you that in scripture. Turn to Acts chapter 10. And Acts chapter 10 is the great statement of what Jesus did with his life. Now, I want you to see who's, listen, we have got to start seeing the enemy in the junk that's going on in our land. We've got an unholy devil wreaking havoc in this land and we're blaming each other and blaming God and we need to lay the ax to the root of the problem. And we need to pull the covers back and say, right there's the culprit that's behind this stuff. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says this. This is the key verse about the life of Jesus how God anointed or empowered Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, right? God Almighty put the Holy Spirit on Jesus and gave him power to do what? Who went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed by the devil because God was with him. So who does that lay the root of sickness and disease at? The devil, the oppression of darkness. But you've also got to understand you can also lay it 
at the feet, Deuteronomy 28, where the Bible said, if you will walk with me, I will protect you. But if you rebel against me, all the diseases of Egypt will come upon you. I don't believe God ever put sickness on anybody for any reason. I believe our disobedience, our sin, our rebellion, coupled with Satan's temptation, produced this foul sickness that we have in our nation. We're to the point now. <clears throat> when I was, I looked up that, when I was a seven-year-old boy, 6% of our nation's income was spent on health care. Right now it is 22%. Health care consumes over one, almost one-fourth of our finances. 15 years from now, half of every dollar we make is going to go take care of health care. You Generation X is going to be taking care of us boomers. That's what's going to be happening. Now, does anybody know why Jesus came to earth? Well, let me read it to you. You can, you can look at it with me if you want to. In 1 John 3, 8, in case you're wondering why I came, this is why Jesus came to earth. 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for, he, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this reason, the Son of God came to earth that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why does the Bible say Jesus came to earth? To destroy something, not the devil, what? The works of the devil. And we saw in Acts 10, 38, that people are oppressed and made sick by darkness and rebellion. So the Bible is pretty clear about this stuff. So the Bible teaches very clear that it is the heart of God to heal and that he never wanted disease to be in the earth. That, that, would you do that to you? I'm gonna just, would you do that to your children? No, there's no pervert that's sick. All right. Let me say this to you. Don't base what you believe on your experience. And so we prayed for Aunt Susie and she died. Therefore, you believe what? Dear ones, I prayed for people and they didn't get well. But I'm not going to base what I believe on my experience. I'm going to base it on what the Bible says. Listen to me. Do not base it on human logic and what's going on in your head. His thoughts are not your thoughts. His thoughts are above your thoughts. His ways are above our... We can't think with him. And we need to quit returning the favor. And when he dawned in and listen to him, I'm not going to be unkind. Don't believe everything preachers tell you. Don't let them take a verse or two and twist it. Psalm 119 says this, the whole of thy word is truth. That's why I give you so many scriptures on stuff. I don't want to take one verse and whop it around. All of God's word should line up with anything in there. I can take a verse out of the Bible and justify anything. But the whole of thy word is truth. Anything you believe should line up with everything in there. It should really line up with the life of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, many times people have said to me, well, how come we prayed for so-and-so? And we, we really believed and they didn't get well. How come? Here's the answer. I have no idea. <laughs> Dear ones, the secret things, the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord. The things that are revealed belong to us and our children, but the secret things belong to the Lord. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time wondering what if. All I want to know is what did the word say? And we've got to get off leaning on our own understanding and going back to his word. Now, let me kill a myth from, uh, let me kill it from scripture. And you, you can send me a note if you can find this anywhere. There's a myth floating in the land that God sends disease to people to teach his children things. I can't find one shred of evidence for that. Do you think I'd put cancer on my son so he'd learn to behave? God have mercy. You can't find that anywhere in scripture that God sends disease. Now, has he used sickness? Absolutely. Johnny Erickson Tata was injured as a 17-year-old girl. What a testimony she's had because of that. But dear ones, you cannot find anywhere in the New Testament 
where God put disease on somebody to help them or teach them something. It's just not there. And if you know of it, send it to me. But uh, you better be on the money. It better not come out of third Maccabees. It better come out of this book right here. It was, let me say this again. Jesus is the revealed will of God. Jesus reveals the will of God. And he went about doing good. Now the question is, all right, why do we see so little healing in America today? I think it's okay to ask. I'm going to show you in the Bible where some people, his own disciples prayed and couldn't help somebody. And they went back that night and asked him, how come we couldn't, how come our prayers weren't answered? That's a good thing to do. Go back and ask. There are two major reasons in the Bible why prayers are not answered. And again, I, I say this with compassion. I know people have gotten beaten up. You know, people that have got sickness or disease and some bless his heart, misguided preacher will pray for him and then beat him up because you didn't, you didn't have enough of a faith. You had to be careful how you handle people. We have to care about people. But I want to take you through scripture and show you some things about the reasons. Number one, doing faith is required for healing. Faith is required for healing. Let me ask you a question. Is faith required for salvation? Can you be saved if you don't have faith in God? Can you, be, can you go to heaven if you don't put your faith in Jesus? For by grace are you saved through faith. Jesus wants everybody to have eternal life. What he did at the cross would save all of humanity. Why are the majority of people not going to heaven? Unbelief. It's not because they're bad. It's because they won't put their faith in Jesus. Faith is required for everything he does. And it's required for healing. I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 9 at this great passage where Jesus talks about faith in him. Matthew chapter 9. I read the gospels over and over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I've read them hundreds of times. On every page you see Jesus, the healer, as the, as the revealed will of God. It, just because he cares about people. And Matthew chapter 10 is that great passage about healing. Where, excuse me, Matthew 9, where we learn this. Matthew 9, 27 says this. Jesus departed from one place. Two blind men followed him saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Son of David to them meant Son of God. Son of David, have mercy on us. When he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I can do this? What did he say to them? Do you have faith? Why didn't Jesus ask them if they had faith? Did Jesus not have power? It was, you have to have faith. Jesus said, do you believe or do you have faith? Same thing. They said to him, what? Yes, yes. we have faith. And Jesus touched their eyes saying, watch this. According to your faith, let it be done to you. Can you see clearly that Jesus had the power, but they had to have the faith. Notice this. It did not say according to the will of God. It said, according to your faith. So can you see clearly here that they had to have faith for the power of God to be released in their lives to help them. This is just this crystal clear that they had to have faith. And I want to show you this for a reason. Let's just turn with me to Mark chapter 9. And Mark chapter 9 is another situation. This is a situation where a man's son, some people say he was sick, some say he was demon possessed, but he was demonized. And the, 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 the demons in this boy were trying to kill him. And uh, much like we've got the enemy messing with people's teenagers today. And this father came in desperation 
to his followers and said, would you pray for my son? The devil's going to kill him. Well, they tried to pray and it didn't help. And then Jesus walks down the mountain with Simon and John and, uh, and uh, James. And the father ran to him and he said, I, I, my son needs help. I asked your disciples and they couldn't help him. And Jesus got ill. He said, you faithless generation. He said, bring the boy to me. And he brought the boy to Jesus. And as he was coming, the demons saw Jesus because demons know who Jesus is. They cut up anytime they got around him. And they would say, we know who you are. All of them know who he is. Now watch what happened in Matthew, Mark 9, verse 22. Often, and the father said, this demon throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. What was in that? Is that a prayer? Yeah, if you're asking Jesus for something, that's a prayer. What word was in that prayer? If. Jesus said to him, if you can believe. All things are possible to him. who One of the first verses I ever memorized, Mark 9, 23. This man came to Jesus and said, if you could help my son. And Jesus said to him, it's got more to do with your believing than my ability. Yes. He said, if you can believe. What's another word for believe? Faith. Believing is faith. He said, if you can believe, is this big or what? Everything's possible to him who believes. Can't you hear the heart of God speaking to this man, trying to draw him out? And I love this passage. Look what he said. Immediately the father of the child, verse 24, cried out and said with tears, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Well, how can you believe in unbelief? You know what he was saying? I do have faith, but it's not that great. And maybe think that might be enough. Jesus said, bam, that's all it takes right there. And Jesus healed the boy, even though this father struggled with faith. Listen to me. You can have faith in your heart with your head raging and screaming. You can have faith in your heart with doubt in your head. And this man struggled with his faith, but he had enough. Somebody tell me how much faith it takes. Thank you. If you have faith as a mustard seed, and now that ain't much. But you see the goodness of God. But can you see that Jesus had to coax faith out of this man to get to be able to help him and do what he said? Now, um, we're not going to look at it because we're going to look at it later. But the Bible said this. Listen, faith is imperative. James 5, 14, 15 says this. We'll look at it later. If any in a church is sick, let them call the elders of the church. Let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and raise them up. And if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven. You, you can't take faith out of anything with him. Faith has to be there. Now I'm going to shift gears a little bit here and explain to you why we see so little healing in America and why we see so little healing in the American church. I'm going to say this. Not even God can do something without faith. Not even God can heal people where there is no faith. This is one of those shocking passages in the Bible. You're in Mark. Turn back to Mark chapter 6. Not even God can do what he wants to do where there's unbelief in people. I don't care if he died to heal you and save you and help you and pay your bills and bless your children. He can't help you where you don't believe. And you're going to see that in Mark chapter 6. This is, a, this is one of the wild passages in Scripture. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus went out from there, came to his own country. That means his hometown. Now you can remember, Jesus grew up for 30 years. He was a common, he was just an average guy. He worked with his dad. They had a little furniture shop. We think of carpenter. We think of somebody builds houses. Jesus built furniture. He and his dad had a little furniture shop behind the house there. He was 30 years old. Everybody wondered about him because why ain't you married? Only, who's the only people that knew? His mom and daddy, who he was. His brothers. He had four brothers. They didn't even believe who he was. 
And he, but he's a good Jewish boy. He went to synagogue. He behaved, did good in school, grew in favor with God and man. He was a good fellow. At 30 years old, he walks off from his home, gets baptized in the Jordan River, and the glory breaks loose. He starts healing the sick, raising the dead, running devils out of cities. I mean, and the hometown's hearing this stuff. Now he's on a circuit. And the hometown's hearing this stuff. He built my mama's table. You remember, he, he's the boy that got in trouble in Sunday school at the synagogue. Just, they can't buy this, that this local guy is out changing the world now. Of course, the church is saying he's of the devil. All right, he's making this circuit. He's been gone for about six months on this circuit, just working. They're hearing about it. All of a sudden, he decides, I'm going back to my hometown and preaching my home church. I mean, that might go over good. That's the reason I don't go back to mine. He goes back to his home church here. Verse two, when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in his home church, the synagogue. And many hearing were saying, where did this man get this stuff? You know what that means? Who is it? Who does he think he is? All right, and that's not in here. But let me tell you what he stood up and said. You have to read Luke chapter four to find out what he said. He went to his home church and said, bring me Isaiah. And uh, he took Isaiah chapter 61. And uh, he stood up and he said this. And he read from Isaiah. They knew it. He stood up and he read this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor in spirit, to set the captives free, to heal the broken hearts, to release the oppressed and to declare the favorable year of God's goodness. And then the Bible said he rolled it up and he stood there and he said, I'm the one he's talking about. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And they're sitting out there going, the carpenter thinks he's God. It's exactly what they said. Where does he, they were just shocked. Let me ask you a question. Was he God? Yes. I mean, this just blew them away. That You mean God was, I wanted God to date my daughter and wondered why he never would? <laughs> he was a normal guy in a small town until he was 30 years old. He makes a circuit. All their lives, they'd heard a Messiah is coming. He will heal. He'll deliver. He stands up. He says, I'm him. That's right there. God was talking about me right there. I'm him. And boy, they couldn't stomach it. Watch what happens. This is more than they can handle. They said, where did this man get this stuff? What wisdom is this given to him? Watch this. Such mighty works performed by his hands. What two works? Healing and deliverance. They said, how's this happening? Verse three, is this not the carpenter? They just couldn't take it. They said, no, no, no. He's a carpenter. He's not God. And the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. So we knew we had four flesh and blood brothers. And those are not disciples, by the way. Those are separate from the James. And, the, and they've got two sisters at least because it said their sisters here. They were offended at him. They were just shocked that this guy that they'd lived with for 30 years could be God. They couldn't take it. Now, this is sort of strange. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, his own family, his own house. Jesus said, my own home is where they'll reject me. Now you watch this, verse five. He could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And if you want to read it in the, correctly in the original language, he laid his hands on a few people that weren't that sick anyway and healed them. But he couldn't help them. He could do no mighty work there. Why? Read the next verse. He marveled because of their unbelief. Now, friend, I want to make an announcement. When you make the one who hung the stars in space marvel, you have done something. When you shock God, you have pulled it off. Yeah. 
And the Bible said not even God could heal and help these people and deliver them because, listen to this carefully, the Jesus they'd always heard about didn't do this kind of stuff. That's why we see so little healing in the American church. The Jesus we built in the American church doesn't do this kind of stuff. And I, I want to say this again. Not even God can help you if he wants to, if you've got unbelief in you. And you just will not agree to believe what he says and take him at his word. This is, a, this is just a tremendous mystery. But you and I need, do you understand the importance of faith? And how important it is to believe what God says and just like a child to trust him. There was, that's why I said, if you don't come like a little child, you cannot walk in the kingdom of God. What do you know about a little child? They're not intellectuals. They don't have to figure it out. Daddy tells them something. Bam. They believe it. They believe it. All right. Let me show you one even weirder than that where they limit God. Turn the page to chapter eight. Page after page, Jesus is the healer. And in chapter eight, this one's just weird here. And in Mark chapter eight, verse 22, the Bible says this. Then he came to Bethsaida, which is a very religious city. They brought a blind man to him and begged him, touch him. We're bring, see, they, they kept talking about his hands. They thought like there was something in his hands. Well, there was. There was healing in his hands. But the, all they would say over and over, like Mark 5, the man whose daughter said, would you just put your hand on him? And there was healing in his hands. So they bring this guy and they say he's blind, but would you put your hands on him? So they want him to put his hands on him. Now you want to see something strange. Watch this. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Why did he have to walk him all the way out of town? You telling me God can't work in town like he can in town? Answer is no. So he took him all the way out of town. And uh, this, you know, my weird personality, I love this. He spit in his eyes. This weird, I almost messed up. This sterilized God that we built today, he ain't the God of the Bible. This guy's wonderful. Let me tell you, can I ask you a question? Would you let him spit in your eye? If I wanted to see him spit wherever he wants to. I'm just saying, you know, look, can I ask you a question? Are we so religious? We don't, you don't think this is weird? What if you came and asked me, you got, I got glaucoma, pray for me. What if I did it? I'm just saying he's weird. But listen to me. I love this weird. He's a wonderful weird. He spit on his eyes and then he put those hands on him and he asked him if he saw anything. Watch what the man said, verse 24. He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. What did he say? I can see shapes, but it's fuzzy. He's half healed. So he can see, but he says it's like trees moving around. So he couldn't see completely, clearly. Listen, here's why you should never give up praying. Verse uh, 25, Jesus put his hands on him again. He prayed for him again, made him look up and he was restored and saw everything clearly. Why did God have to pray twice for somebody? There's an answer and we need to get it. Here's the answer. Why did he struggle with this? Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into that town and don't talk to anybody in that town. That town was so religious and so full of unbelief not even God could help him in that town. And the religious unbelief and the nonsense he'd been taught had such an influence on him. Once he got him out of town, even God had to pray for him twice. Unbelief is that strong. And what did Jesus say to him? Don't you dare go back in that town. And when them people ask you how you see, run from them. 
Do not engage them in conversation. Because let me tell you something. Faith comes by hearing. Faith will go by hearing too. And the implication is you're going to go blind again. You go back in that town. Do you see how powerful this unbelief is? This religious unbelief that even God has to work around it some? Well, that's the issue. All right, now, all right, let me teach you something here and I hope you get this. I've had people that say to me, well, you, you know, we, Aunt Mary, she got sick or Aunt whoever. And, you know, we prayed for her and she didn't. She said, now you can't tell me Aunt Mary didn't have faith. Aunt Mary had great faith. And I say, yes, she did, but not for healing. There are differences of faith. You can have tremendous faith for salvation. You, I, listen, you could, I dare any professor to talk me out of me being saved. I mean, you might as well try to peel paint with your breath. It ain't gonna happen. It's not that I'm smart. I just know in my knower that I know I've got the revealed faith in my heart. You can forget it. You can talk me out of it. You can have faith for finances for your family. You can have all kinds of faith and not have a lick of faith for healing. There are diversities of faiths. And just because you have great faith over here doesn't mean you have it over here. Now let's get this because we need, we need to learn this. Let me show you the picture of this. It's in uh, Acts chapter 15. Let's turn to Acts chapter 15 where we learn there are differences of faith. Now, again, I'm going to say this. I want to help people. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to just pray so we can say we prayed. I want people to get better. I want people to get saved. I don't want to stand up and preach the gospel and nobody gets saved. Say, well, I preached it to them. They go to hell, it's their fault. What kind of attitude is that? I want people to get helped whether it's physical salvation or their families. And I I do not want to go through the motions of prayer and just say, well, we did it. Good luck. I want prayer to work. All right. And Acts chapter 10, 15 is that great place where it shows us the difference. Excuse me, Acts 14. Acts chapter 14, I want you to look at this. Paul is traveling around and he's praying and good things are happening. He 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 gets run out of town at Iconium. So he goes to a little town called Lystra. Acts 14, 8. In Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb. He'd never walked, so he's crippled. The man heard Paul speaking, and Paul, observing him intently and seeing he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet, and he stood up and walked. What did the Bible say Paul saw? He saw that this man had faith to be healed. He could see it. Yes. But it was, I can see when people have certain faith. And the reason, one of the reasons we're doing this tonight is a lot of times people will ask us to pray for them as they should. You should call the elders of your church, let them pray for you. And I'll ask some questions to find out where they're at. And I can see that they do not have faith to be healed. And I'm not being unkind, but I want them to get it before we pray so something good can happen. And you say, well, how can you see this stuff? I can see faith. I can see unbelief. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you for an instance here. If somebody comes to me and says, you know, I've got cancer or whatever, some problem, would you probably say, be glad to. And I'll usually ask them this, now tell me what's wrong. And I don't just ask that because I want to know what's wrong. I want to locate their faith. And if they go, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible. I got this disease and it's ruined my life and it's just terrible. I can see you don't have the faith to be healed. I can see that your heart is full of disease. You're full of fear. You're full of anxiety. You're full of worry. Now, if somebody says to me, we had this not long ago, a lady came, she said, I've got cancer. She's got four young children. And she said, I want you elders, I want you to pray for me. I said, I'd be glad to. I said, now tell me what's wrong to you. She said, I've got cancer. She said, but God is bigger than cancer. Amen. Well, I saw there that she had faith. And I'm not being unkind. Let me help you here. 
Demons, let's don't just go through the motions. Let's get it. Well, if you don't have the faith, that's what we're here for. And I don't want to teach you how to get it. And uh, if, if you don't have faith to be, listen, don't ask somebody to pray for you if, if you don't have faith. Get that first and then pray. All right. And uh, this is a situation where this, Paul was just preaching. He, wasn't even, he was just preaching to look at the guy and he, saw, he said, that guy's got faith all over him. Mm-hmm. He said, I can see. I don't know what he saw, but he, he could see it. And he just said to him, just get up. And certain people have that gift. I've known ministers that had the gift where they didn't, they didn't pray for it. They just say, get up or you're healed. Yeah. And it would happen. And this is, uh, but obviously you see here, you can see. Here's the big question. Now, let me say this again. Dear ones, anything you pray for, you need faith for that area. Right. All right? right? You can have absolute faith that you're saved and going to heaven. Nobody can talk you out of it. But have no faith to pray for your family. Because you've heard the word of God here, but you hadn't heard it over here. Because yeah. faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Yeah. Got to get it in your heart. Yeah. All right. Now, <clears throat> here, here's how do we receive faith for healing or for anything? Let's look at it. The great passage in Romans 10 that tells us, if I need faith, I need to go get it. You, you can't work faith up. You can't try to have faith. Faith cometh. Faith is imparted into your heart by the Spirit of God. And I want you to see this in Scripture. The Bible says you can't, and in this passage it says it, you can't get saved till you hear the Word of God. Because you have to hear the Word and believe it. And then you receive it by faith. Now, Romans 10 is that great passage that tells us where faith comes from. And this is, so, listen, do me a favor. Don't overthink it. Don't ask the scholars. Ask Dr. Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Let, me, let me tell you what a preacher is. A preacher is somebody who takes simple stuff and makes it so complicated it makes your head hurt listening to it. True. Jesus takes the great truths of the universe, makes them so simple a child can understand them. Amen. It's called the Word of God. Now, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Can you see that faith has to come to you? You cannot try to have faith. You can't work it up. You can't try to get a feeling. Faith comes to you by hearing something. All right? Now settle it. That's the foundation of faith. It comes by hearing something. But now here's where people make mistakes. They, they say, well, I have faith, but what you have is intellectual faith. You, you With your mind, you believe Dear ones, you can't believe with your head and get anything. You have to believe with your heart. Look at it. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. For with the heart, you have to believe. I believe with all my heart. No, that's human sincerity. God's spirit has to impart living faith into your spirit. That's heart faith. And boy, you, when it's in your heart, you, it's there. You just know it. But then as you can't work it up, you can't try to get it. He's got to put it in here. Faith's got to come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me show you when we're ready to believe or do anything. It's in verse eight. What does it say? What does the Bible say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. Tell me where the word of faith's got to be. It's got to be in your heart. Why does it have to be in your mouth? Do you remember when Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verses 23 through 24, have faith in God. For whoever says to this mountain, be moved, be cast into the sea, doesn't doubt, he'll have what he says with his mouth. Now, let me, you don't have to worry about it. If you get it in your heart, it's going to be in your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why I said when I talk to people, 
and I'll ask them, well, what's wrong with you? And they'd all, they spend five minutes talking about disease and sickness and it's very emotional and it's terrible and grandma died of this and mama died of this. What your heart is full of is fear. Goes out of your mouth. Yep. Knows we need to get the word of God in your heart Amen. and get the voice of God in your heart right. so that faith comes out of your mouth like that. But it's got to come. Can't come from human effort. It's got to be implanted in your heart. And I'm going to show you how to do that. I want you to see this. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Here's an example of faith that came. Mark chapter 5. I don't know if you remember this or not. One of the, oh, it's one of the most encouraging passages. Jesus is traveling and a man comes to him and he is a Jewish preacher. And they, were, they had declared that, God was, that Jesus was of the devil. But this man had a daughter that got sick and she was about to die. That'll change the way you think about things. And he came to Jesus and he, he humbled himself. He fell down before him. He said, my little daughter is dying. He said, would you bring your hand and put your hand on her and she'll live. And the most amazing in the next verse, it said, so Jesus went with him. Do you know you just have to ask God and he'll come with you? Yeah. He said, well, what does that mean? It's simple, dear ones. Ask him. He's told you to ask him. All right, they're, they're going. And all of a sudden this man's so excited because the, I mean, there's a huge crowd and, and Jesus starts, just, Jesus said, tell me where you live, let's go. They start walking. Well, something happened on the way this woman got in there. Once you look at this woman and what happened to her in Mark chapter five, verse 25, the Bible said this, a certain woman was in the crowd and she had a flow of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things from many physicians. She'd spent all she had was no better, rather good. So she'd been hemorrhaging 12 years. She is sick, took all her money, in that culture, in Jewish culture, you are not allowed to be in public if you're hemorrhaging. She shouldn't even have been there, but she was bold. Verse 27, when she what? When she heard about Jesus. Tell me where faith comes from. It comes from hearing. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd. It says she touched his garment. Original language is she grabbed his robe. Because she what? Said. She's heard it. And now she's speaking it. When I touch his clothes, I'm going to be made well. Can you hear the faith there? She didn't say, I'm going to try this. She said, when I get hold of that man's robe, I'll be healed. Where did she get that kind of faith from? What, where, she, I mean, now you got to understand, she's sick. There are hundreds of people around Jesus. She's elbowing fishermen, crawling between their knees, fighting the crowd. She said, when I get hold of that robe, I'm a healed woman. And, and she, where'd that come from? But she, she had to hear something. You got to remember something. They didn't even have a New Testament then. They didn't have gospels to read. She heard it from people's mouths. People say, have you heard about this guy? Jesus is going to, let me tell you what he did. You remember the widow of Nain, remember? Her son died. He walked up and raised him right up to the dead. Took the casket back, got a full refund from the funeral home. Said he's alive today. And she's hearing these stories about Jesus. What's happening while she's hearing these people talk excitedly about Jesus? What's happening down here? Something's growing down here. Spirit of God's taking what she's hearing with her ear. Faith is growing up in her heart. And she, and she said, I got to go. And she found him and she said, the moment I touch that robe, I'm healed. There wasn't no maybe, if, ands, or buts. That woman had great faith. I'm going to show you she did. She touched his robe. And verse 29, immediately her blood was dried up. She felt something happen in her body and knew she was healed. Now you want to see something weird again? <laughs> Immediately, Jesus felt in himself that power had gone out, turned around and said, who touched me? Jesus had no idea what was going on. But he felt something leave his body. He just felt the power of God flow out of him. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
He said, who grabbed me? All right, you know, Simon, Simon's always got everything figured out. (laughs) Verse 31, his disciples said to him, "Uh, you see the multitude thronging you and you want to know who touched you? He said, everybody in the crowd's touching you. I wasn't the kind of touching he was talking about. He said, somebody connected with me. Somebody touched God through me. And uh, now we're in, now we got trouble. He looked around. See, Jesus is saying, I'm going to find out who touched me. He didn't even know who he'd healed. I'm telling you, he's good. Verse 33, the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened in her body, fell down before him, told him the whole story. She finally just stepped up and said, it was me. She said, I heard about you and I knew in my heart if I could grab that robe, I'd be healed. She said, the minute I touched it, electricity flowed through me. She said, I'm healed. And she said, I know I am. And the crowd's just, the crowd's backing up now. I watched what Jesus said, verse 34. He said to her, daughter, your faith is what made you well. Now look what he said. Go in peace. And where he said, be healed. I thought she was already healed. It's the Greek word, you stay healed. I want you to stay healed. I want you to stay in peace of your affliction. Now, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't, want, Jesus didn't try to heal her. He didn't even know he was doing it. Why'd she get healed? Your faith did that. Do you see the power of faith? Dear ones, but now here, here's what I'm going to point out. Where'd she get this kind of faith from? Hearing a bunch of people discuss whether maybe God heals or not. She heard people telling her, he does heal. Amen. And she heard the truth of God. And that word ignited her heart and the spirit of God brought faith up inside of her heart. I'm going to say it again, dear ones. Faith cometh by hearing or feeding on God's word. We, we, have under, we still have underestimated the power of this word. This is the word of God. These are the literal words of God sent to you. And faith comes by hearing this word and feeding on it. Now, everybody's got to measure faith because the Bible says that God has given to every man a measure of faith. But you need that faith to grow. You need to be like the church. They were south of Asia. Thessalonica. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 says, I hear of you that your faith is growing tremendously. Yes. So God's given you a measure of faith, but you've got to grow it. Yep. It's just like the human body. God gave you a body that has potential on the day you was born, but if you don't feed it, it'll die. Yep. But if you'll feed it, especially if you'll get off in Big Macs and feed it right, <laughs> it will grow strong and healthy. But if you don't feed it, it'll die. Your faith's the same way. Romans, God's given to every man a measure of faith, but you have to feed it for it to grow. You have to listen to faith for faith to grow because faith comes by hearing and you're going inside of it. Listen, it's that way for salvation. It's that way for material provision. You don't need to hear verses on salvation if you're already saved, but you don't have money to pay your bills. You need to hear the promises of God paying your bills. You don't need to hear promises of hell and judgment if you've already been saved. One of my beefs with the Iwana program. I loved the Iwana program. It was great, but all the verses were about people getting turned into hell. Get saved and get off them verses. I I want to say, y'all got any good news verses they can memorize around here? I probably should. I'd probably go over good with somebody. (laughs) If you got problems with your kids, you don't need to grunt. You need to feed on the verses about his promises for your family. Faith grows by hearing the word. And if you're sick or you want to pray for somebody, you have to feed on what he says about healing because you need faith in that area. That's why you need to feed in that area. Now do, do this. So you need to, if you have a problem in your body or whatever, I, I don't even pray till I go to the word first, whatever I need to pray over. I go to the word first and I get it in me. You say, well, brother Brian, you've almost memorized the Bible. Faith is like food. Last week's food didn't do me no good today. We got to have daily bread. That's 
you see, I can, I've got the Bible on the New Testament almost memorized, but that's not explosive faith in my heart. It's by feeding on it today that the faith rises up. That's why we have to feed on it today. If I'm going to pray over something big, a need or whatever, a child or something, I'm going to get in that word. I'm going to get those verses. I'm going to chew on them and feed on them for a little bit before I go to pray to build faith up in that area. So I'd encourage you to do this. Number one, read the four gospels. Read them over and over and over. You, you just see the healer Jesus on every page, every page. In particular, there's one in particular, the book of Mark. The book of Mark paints Jesus as the healer, the servant of man, like no book in the Bible. And every page, you're, you'll read it. And if the Spirit of God's in, you'll just read it and your heart will be going, yeah. You'll just sense the excitement of God in your heart. Well, that's the Spirit helping you in there. We have a little book here that we give people called Healed of Cancer. Uh, when they've struggled with cancer or any disease. It's written by a lady named Dodie Osteen. She got a son that's just starting out in ministry. His name's Joel Osteen. And uh, Dodie's husband, John, pastored that church years ago. And years ago, Dodie got cancer. She went to her doctor. She wasn't feeling good. And he called her one day. She went over and her doctor said, you got cancer. And uh, this is how she handled it. And she was healed of cancer. Reginald Cherry, Dr. Cherry, who is a, you know, a nationally known physician, he certifies that she was healed. And let me tell you something about Dodie. She's, she's a godly woman. Her husband, John, was wonderful. I used to listen to him. And uh, Dodie, she, got the, she went to the doctor's office. She got the report. She was shocked. Listen to what she did. She went straight back to her church. She didn't go to her husband's office. She went to the secretary's office. She said, give me the names and addresses of everybody in this church is sick. And she went immediately. She didn't even tell her husband. Went immediately to those people's homes and started praying for them to get well. Because right. they teach it and she understood if you have a need, sow your seed. There you go. If you need it, sow it. And she started praying for other people. And this is the testimony. Of, and this is just a faith-building testimony. But the reason I love this book so much in, in here, in this book it has the scriptures for healing in it. And she teaches, you know, I, I got in those scriptures. I ate those scriptures day and night until they were in my mind and in my heart. All I could think about is what God said. And dear ones, we, faith comes by hearing. And of course, it's a tremendous testimony of how she was healed with that. But you, if, you, if you've got a need, you've got to get in the Word in that area. Right. Don't sit around and listen to the devil in your mind. Right. Well, you know, Daddy died at 58. Grandpa died at 56. That don't sound like the Word of God to me. That sounds like a spirit of fear. Ooh, and God didn't give you a spirit of fear. And you know, you know what the doctor said. Listen, I love doctors. Thank God for doctors. They are beloved physicians. But there's somebody supra higher than the doctors. And you need to hear them and you need to thank them. But they do not have the final word. You need to let this be the final word. And you got to get in this word for whatever it is. Now, uh, you can have, and that's whatever area you need. Are you struggling financially? Well, do not stare at your bank statements. My God, have mercy. They know faith comes from watching, past, reading, past due, past due, past due. You don't get no faith there. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Get the promises of finances in there. Whatever it is. Are your kids going through a hard time? You talk about Satan and how cruel he is. He'll get in your head over your children. He'll paint every imaginable picture. Every siren you hear will be going to get your kids. And you need to tell him to shut the hell up and you need to get in this word and you need to hear what he's got to say. And you need to feed on it. Dear ones, this is a battle. We are in a war with a cruel enemy who just soon kill you as look at you. And you've got to fight. What does the Bible say? Fight the good fight of faith. And that's what this, this is the sword of the spirit. 
You got to get it in your heart and you got to feed on it. Now listen to me. You can be jacked up like, uh, like Popeye one day and three days later, not have enough faith to get a hand's motorcycle halfway around a BB. That ain't much. There was faith rises and falls depending on how you feed on it. You'll see this in scripture sometime, Matthew 14, my friend Simon. Jesus said to Simon, get out of that boat and walk on that water. That was the word of God. There was enough faith in that word. He could still be walking out there today because the word of God's that powerful. Well, he got out there and he did great, didn't he? Did it have anything to do with his faith or the power of God? Both. It was the power holding him up, but it was his faith that kept the power intact. Listen to what the Bible said. But when he got his eyes off Jesus and began to stare at the storm going on around him, he sunk. And Jesus said to him, stay down there, you deserve it. <laughs> he cried out to Jesus. When your faith is weak, cry out to Jesus. He took him by the hand, raised him back up, and Jesus said, where is your faith? Which tells me what? If you stare at the garbage around, it'll destroy your faith. Keep your eyes on this word. And can you see that that Fear cut the power of God off in the great disciple's life. Do not let fear steal, fear steal faith from you. Keep feeding them. It just, now, let me, let me show you. You don't believe there's demons. You want me to prove there's demons? You decide you're going to get in this word and watch what happens to you. The phone will ring. You'll itch. Ain't seen a fly in three months. One will show up and fly all around your head. You'll have trouble somewhere. You'll get gas. I mean, it, you know, tell them what'll happen. You got to make up your mind. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent have to take it by force. I'm going to get in this word and get it in me. And there's a battle over this stuff, but you got to win this thing because there's a lot at stake. And whatever it is, you, you need to do that. Now, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not. Years ago in America, a great, God did a great work in the 1940s and 50s. A tremendous outpouring of healing was just in the air in the 1940s and 50s. It was a great healing revival that happened in America. You had men all over that went all over the nation. They usually had these huge tents. I remember my dad working in Charlotte right after he got out of the service. And he said, we, Oral Roberts set up a tent right there behind where we were at, seated 20,000 people. And it was packed and people were healed. He set that same tent up not far from here toward, over toward Durham. And these were just men. Oral Roberts was one of them. Guys were used of God. And Brother Hagen was in that. He was one of them that meant just I learned so much from. And he said, during that period where God was this in our nation, he said, it, he said it was like healing was in the air. You could just reach up and pull it down on people. He said it was so easy to believe in America then. Yeah. It's not like that now. But it was just, that was a great sovereign work of God. And that happens on occasion. It's happening in places in the world right now. And, uh, but let me tell you what he would say. Then he, of course, he developed the great healing school and he said this, I would have healing schools for a week to help people that were sick, just humbly trying to help people. And he said, but we always taught the word of God before we prayed for people and we'd tell people, if you can do it, be here all week. Get as much of God's word in you before you get prayed for as you can. And he said, those that didn't come to healing school, the smallest percentage would get healed but even that period, those that would sit and just feed on the word for a week, the largest percentage of them got healed. Yep. There was this word is directly related to everything. Right. And our faith comes and goes and is built by this word. Now, in the American church today, you rarely see healing, physical healing. And we've adopted a theology that says, well, it passed away. This book doesn't say that. And, and the reason you so seldom see it in the American, matter of fact, 
The American church seems to be violently against healing. Such a spirit of unbelief because we're so intellectual now and we've gotten away from being childlike, humble believers. And the intellectualism that we've embraced in our land is hurting. But if you go to a country right now called South Korea, if they pray for you to get well and you don't get well, they'll stop the meeting and stand there shocked. South Korea is just the spirit of God so mighty in that place. Parts of Africa right now, they're stunned if you don't get well. And, and but let me tell you something. I don't care what's going on in the land. I am a believer. Amen. And I'm going to keep believing what he says. And I've had folks say, well, you're just ignorant and backwards. To which I say, thank you. <laughs> and listen to me. If you have a need, feed your heart till faith comes. You feed on that word till faith comes and do this. Do what Jesus told the man to do that he healed, had to pray for twice. Stay out of that town and stay away from them people. People that are smart alecks and think they know more in this book, don't be unkind. Don't, and whatever you do, don't argue with them. You destroy your faith. The Bible said, avoid fruitless discussions. They'll destroy your faith. Stay away from them people. You don't need that stuff and leave it alone. Let me do one more real quick. So, so I'm, I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to stand up and say, well, it's because you ain't got no faith. I want to help you have faith. Amen. Now, let me say this. I don't know everything on the subject and what I don't know, I don't pretend to know. I'm not that smart. I do own a Bible though, and it's worn out. But where I believe God and I trust him for things and it don't happen, I just, I don't say, well, I say, well, praise God. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm going to trust him, keep believing anyway. Now, let me shock you with this and let me blow some more myths up real quick. There's another reason people don't get healed. And we have completely missed this one in the American church. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There's another reason our prayers don't get answered. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and of course, the, the great need is faith. And not even Jesus can help people where there's no faith. But the other reason that we don't see healing today is because we've not discerned the body. Bottom line is we're not walking in love and forgiveness. And unforgiveness is killing us. Yep. The bitterness and the angst in this land is blocking our prayers. And I want you to see that in the Bible. You ever heard, I'm going to blow this myth up. You ever heard this? Well, I believe when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. You ever heard that? Let's see if that's what the Bible teaches. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. Now, let me ask you a question. Is 1 Corinthians written to Christians or pagans? You can go back and look it up if you want to. To the church. This is written to Christians only. And I want you to look what he says to his people, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. Let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup, talking about communion, He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. What did he say right there? Before you take communion. Tell me what communion is. It is the forgiveness of God. Agreed? We take communion because we receive the forgiveness of God. Communion isn't but one thing. I am forgiven by the goodness of God. What does it mean not to discern the Lord's body? Jesus is the head who is the body. That's the church. That's your people. You drink judgment to yourself if you receive the forgiveness of God, but you won't receive other. You won't forgive other people. To not discern the Lord's body correctly is to refuse to forgive while you claim the forgiveness of God. And it said this, if we would, verse 30, let's read this. For this reason, what reason? Because you will not forgive people and you won't treat people the way Jesus has treated you. For this reason, many, listen, not a few, many are weak, and sick. Tell me why the Bible says some people are sick. Unforgiveness. 
and the Bible is very clear, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, who you forgive, I forgive, because we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. I promise you, Satan's always trying to get you to be ill with somebody, out with somebody, bitter towards somebody, critical of somebody, because he knows that if he gets you in critical shape, you're in trouble. Can you see clearly that sickness is in people's lives? Sometimes, not always, but many Christians are sick because of their attitudes. A lot of times I've had people that just had chronic disease on and on, and they were good folks. They wouldn't steal your money. They didn't cuss. They worked in church, but I knew, I knew where to look. I'd get to digging around, and they had a brother way back up the road that did them wrong. Or they had a husband at one time and they've never, I've had these fine Christian people would never smoke a cigarette or cuss and I, I'd, I'd tap the root and they'd say, I'll never forgive them. Yikes. Well, what does the Bible say? For this reason, many Christians are sick and weak. Now watch this one. Verse 30, for this reason, many are sick among you and many have died. Many are asleep. Why do Christians die sometimes before their time? He says, it was the will of God to take them. Can you not discern from that verse it was not his will for them to die? Because we die a lot of times because we will not treat people right and discern the Lord's body. This is where we get in trouble right here. And uh, people say, well, you know, I, I believe nobody can die before their time. What does that say right there? God created this. You see this body right here, your body, my body, your body. It is an absolute miracle. This body is a human marvel. It was created by God to last. The days of our lives are 70 years, if by strength 80. Now, if you're 85, relax. You can go on beyond that. This body was created to last. This body has to be taken care of. And I'm not just talking about how we handle it and feed it. I'm talking about the heart. And even the medical community is now starting to understand stress, anger, bitterness is killing human bodies. What's it say right there? And we've got to get the junk out of our lives so that we can pray for each other and we can be healed. We don't want to do that. Now, I want you to listen to what the Bible says. There's one area he'll show you no mercy on. What is it? Do you remember this great when Jesus said, when you pray, say this, our Father in heaven, praise your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. I want you to listen to this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth the way it's being done in heaven. How many sick people in heaven? Zero. Good. Do it down here. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, the way for forgive other people. And then it wrapped it up by saying, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. What's the next verse say? Now listen, what's the next verse say? For if you do not forgive your brother his trespasses, neither will your father. What's the one thing he cuts you no mercy on? Forgiveness. You can struggle with addiction. You can struggle with cursing. You can struggle with lust. He'll help you in your struggle. But when you say, I am not going to forgive him, you just cut yourself off. We have got to start taking this one seriously because a lot of disease and death and sickness is tied to the heart that will not forgive. I'm going to tell you something, it's not worth it. My friend Everett down at the BP State, well, it's not BP anymore, it's just Everett Service Center, Airhead Service Center now. Got it written on the wall down there. Unforgiveness is drinking poison, hoping it'll hurt somebody else. Bingo, that's exactly what it is right there. Let me show you one more and then we're done. Turn with me to James chapter 5. I'll never forget it. I'm just a young preacher trying to learn which ends up. I'd been so polluted and defiled by religious teaching. I just was trained by men that just had no faith. I had PhDs, but they had no faith. Keep your post hole digger. I'd rather have faith. 
and I'd been taught the Bible wasn't true and nothing's true and you can't believe anything in there and there is no hell and nothing's wrong. And I thought, by the time they got done, I didn't have enough faith to get an more sick or halfway around a BB. And I'll never forget it. I'm a brand new preacher. Just started. Hadn't been preaching six months. And a group of preachers got together for a preacher's meeting. See, Jesus said, stay out of that town. Don't go around them out there. And I went to that thing and somebody, one of the guys had cancer. And I'll never forget, a preacher read the verses I'm just fixing to read to you. And it got quiet in the room. He read to him. He said, how many of y'all believe this stuff? This stuff? And I, I mean, there was just an evil spirit of unbelief amongst the Baptist preachers. Well, I didn't know. I'm trying to learn that stuff. Eventually, you know, I just something in my heart down here is going, what? The spirit of God inside with you will argue with the junk you're hearing in your head. Thank God I finally decided the Bible's are true and the preachers was wrong. Here's the verse we read that just tore him up so bad. I want you to read with me. James chapter five, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Now stop right there. Don't tell me people. You say, well, if you had faith, you wouldn't get sick. What did I say right there? You can get sick. I mean, I know there's a real devil and not only that, there's this nasty 19 floating around. The Bible doesn't say you don't ever get sick. It says when you, if you do get sick, if anyone among of you gets sick, if anyone among you gets sick, let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Tell me what the oil, I've heard the strangest stuff. What's oil a picture of in the Bible? The Holy Spirit of God. It's just, it's just, we're just asking the Holy Spirit to come. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Now, I remember I'm in that meeting. He read that and that preacher said, y'all, does anybody believe this stuff? Oh boy, he really, built faith. he really built faith in that preacher's heart, didn't he? I mean, they might as well all just confess. We don't believe the Bible. Well, if you don't believe this part, do you believe John 3, 16? Who took your scissors to the Bible and cut it up? You say, Brother Mike, what does it mean? Look right here. Look right here. It means what it says. Break with your deep, deepness, deep one. Jesus said, if you're sick, call your elders. Let them pray for you. Let them pray in faith. And I want you to watch something. What does the Bible say here? And we're talking about why people don't. The Bible said that the prayer of faith will save the sick. Verse 15, the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they will be forgiven. Now, sure, you don't think my prayers can get your sins forgiven. I can't get your sins forgiven. Who's got to say something for your sins to get forgiven? First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he'll forgive us. I can't pray for your sins to get gone. You've got to pray for that. What's the obvious truth here? Somebody comes and they need prayer. And you say, we're going to pray for you. What's the first thing you ask them? You got hardness in your heart against anybody? Are you harboring a grudge against anybody? Are you mad at anybody? Are you prejudiced? Do you hate anybody? Get that junk out first. Deal with that first. And then you can pray for them. But can you see that you got to have your sins forgiven? We hold this vessel up to God. Say, God, see my vessel here. See the hatred and the prejudice and the anger and the bitterness toward this and that. And the cancer said, God, Take the cancer out. Leave the rest. That ain't gonna fly. Listen, he is merciful. Let's get the junk out. Let's get it all out. Because you can see in James 5, 14 and 15, I've got to deal with my heart before he can deal with my body. Got to get my heart cleaned out before he can deal with my body. I, I, years ago, I got this thing about bad attitudes toward people and bitterness and unforgiveness. I saw it. I saw the power of hell that's released in it. And man, I've been running. I, I owe nobody, nobody owes me a dime. If I get the least bit of ill will towards somebody and I get plenty of opportunity, just driving in traffic, I get plenty of opportunity. 
We're in a, we're, everybody's looking to offend somebody today in this land. And half of them's looking to be offended. I've made up my mind and nobody gonna offend me. It's not that I'm that great. I don't want devils chewing on my soul. And if I get the least bit of ill will toward somebody, I go after that thing toot and toenail. I'm not going to have it. I'm going to get rid of it. And if, the, and if old Hornyhead keeps aggravating me, messing with me, I'll buy him a gift card and mail it to him. I'll shut him up. I'll put it into this mess. Was, we cannot mess around with this stuff anymore. America's becoming one of the sickest nations on earth. Right there is what it's tied to. And there's no excuse for this stuff. Now quit giving you a story. Brother Hagen, who trained me, he told me, he said, uh, we're all, he was teaching, we're always going to be tempted. Satan's going to go after this thing about bad attitudes. He will go after bitterness. He wants you mad at somebody. He will tempt you to get mad at somebody more than anything else. He'll tempt you to hold a grudge, to hate a certain group. He wants, he wants anger in your heart. And he's the master of it because he's full of it. And he said, I had a, uh, a preacher come one time and said he was at... at uh, at, at my church and said he came to do a revival for me. And he said, I, I, he said, I've learned to treat people good. God's teaching me to treat people good, no matter what they do. And said, I found out after about two days that he was going around telling lies on me in my own church and trying to stir up trouble in my own church. He said, now, you know, the first thing happened, my hackles got up. Y'all know what hackles are. He said, I got angry. My hackles got, listen, the Bible said, be angry, but don't sin. And don't let the sun go down on the deal with the day. And he said, uh, but I, I knew the word of God. And he said, I'm going to straighten him out and I'm going to just tell him to go home. No, he said, no, I'm not. He said, I'm going to tell him what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to treat him like gold. And I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to pray for him. And then this thought came in. He said, the de- here's what he said. The devil said to me, which means this thought came into my mind. Now you're going to take up an offering for him on Tuesday night and Thursday night. Don't try to get him much if he's going to act like that. <laughs> Sounds just like him, doesn't it? He said, that thought came into my mind, which was the devil put that in my mind. And he said, I said, I said, Mr. Devil, just for that, just for that, I'm going to take him up two offerings. And if you don't shut up, I'll take him up offering every night. He said, I never had another thought like that come to my mind. I took him up offering every night. I asked him, how much do you normally get? He told me we gave him three times as much as he normally gets. And I gave a third of it out of my own pocket. You know what that's called? Romans chapter 12, do not be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. I bet you old horny head went home that night with a big bruise on his head. (laughs) Then we have got to quit letting him put hatred in our hearts because disease in our bodies hangs on to that kind of stuff. Now, let me humbly say this. Don't dare think that everybody struggles with diseases because they got sin in their lives. That's wrong. All have sinned. Diseases on humanity because humanity has sinned. And let me tell you what I've seen many times. Some of the finest Christians, Satan can't get them to hate. He can't get them to lust. He can't get them to be bitter. So he puts sickness on them. Some of the finest people we ever met. But the issue is to get a savior who's greater than the evil and pray for them in the church to pray for people. And uh, let me just quit by saying this. I've had people say, you shouldn't talk like that. You're going to get people's hopes up. I'm up here to get your hopes up. That's what I'm trying to do is get your hopes up. Well, what is this thing that you'll get their hopes up? I hope so. Let me tell you how I want to get your hopes up. You can't have faith till you have hope. Let me give you the definition of faith in the Bible. This is Hebrews 11. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
It's the proof, the evidence of things not seen yet. You can't start working on your faith till you get your hope up. Well, this word is given to get your hope up. And I read page after page of the gospel where Jesus healed people and that something inside of me goes, maybe he's still the same. Let me, let me encourage you to get your hopes up. Some of you got children that are in a mess. Get in this book. I read in here what he did for people's children and what he promised to do for people. Something inside of me goes, well, maybe he'll do it for mine. That's, right. That's called getting your hopes up. Yeah. And then once you got your hope up, jump on your faith and start building it. Of course, we want to get people's hope up. That's exactly what we want to do. Listen, I'm a believer. Guess why we're called believers? What do you think the main thing believers ought to do, ought to be? We're not called behaviors. Do you want to behave? We're not called behaviors. We're not called figure-outers. We're not called explainers. We're called believers. Because believers are supposed to. This ain't hard, guys. Come on. Believers should believe. And more than anything else, I'm going to choose to believe. I'm going to be like the Bible said, the great father of faith in Abraham, Romans chapter four, God made him a promise. He said, you're going to have a baby. You and your wife are going to have a baby. He was 95 year old. She was 85. He said, he refused to look at her. He said, I, he did not consider her wore out saggy body. That's exactly what it says. He refused to look at her knowing it'd destroy his faith. Sorry, baby. You just had to put, I can't kiss you tonight. You're looking over there. That's exactly, read it. Go read it. Romans chapter four. But he said he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God over his promises. Get your eyes off the junk that discourages you and get your eyes on the stuff that builds your faith up and practice that. And let's start believing God to do something great. I do not want to cause God to be shocked. Like his hometown when it said he was surprised because they wouldn't let him help him. All right, I'm going to give you one last verse. Just quote it. Because a lot of preachers say, well, that passed away. Don't come a day you're going to pass away and you're going to stand in front of God and wish you hadn't told like it probably. I love this. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. Oh, Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. Your word is so good and it's so true. Your word talks about the enemy in Mark chapter four, Satan came along and stole the word away from your people and stole the seed of the word away so they couldn't bear fruit. I pray for everybody in this room, they would realize the word of God is the seed in my heart that brings great faith that lets you do everything you want to do. Lord Jesus, I want to say thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be a son of God. And I'm a child of the living God, not because I'm good, I don't deserve it, but because you died on the cross. I want to thank you for that, but I want to praise you that right before you died on that cross, you allowed evil men to tie your hands over your head to the whipping post. And for my peace and my healing, you were whipped. And I am not going to be worried and anxious and nervous and give up the peace you bought me at that whipping post. I don't want to give up anything you purchased. I pray in Jesus' name for an open heart, a revelation, open the eyes of our heart to see the beauty of everything you did for us and everything you promised in your word. And I pray that these folks, instead of being religious and passive with that old religious spirit, I pray they'll be like a pit bulldog after a weenie when it comes to going after the word of God in faith. 
and saying, the man said it. I pray for faith and hope to grow up in people's hearts over their families, over their needs being met, over their own problems in their own hearts, over their bodies being well, whatever need we have, thank you that you've met that need. Father, I want to pray for everybody in this room right now. We're just going to pause. Anybody in this room, any cancer in their hearts toward anybody, anything, any ill will, your word said, if anybody has anything against anybody, let them forgive as God forgave. How many people, Father, have I seen instantly healed physically, didn't even have to have prayer, when they decided, my brother don't owe me nothing. And they decided to forgive their fathers and forgive people. I want to thank you that this world is propped up on forgiveness. Our eternity is propped up on forgiveness. And I pray in Jesus' name, you let the hounds of heaven, the Holy Spirit be after them. Can't sleep till they decide to let it go so they can live. I trust you for that. Thank you for your kindness. Fathers, we come to pray tonight. I pray that faith rise up in this room. People know he'll help me. They know difference in me and them people. They weren't perfect. I'm not perfect. Ain't no difference in that woman that grabbed his robe and me. I'm going to reach out by faith and do that. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name we pray. Amen.